Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode four of season two of Living Electric. I am making my comeback today. <laughs> That's right. Brandon's yes. back on the mic. <laughs> yes, I am. I hope you guys are ready for lame jokes at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we missed out last week, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely happy to be back. My head's feeling better and I'm excited to talk about the future of electric vehicles. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time to own an electric vehicle and just be in the in the EV industry. It's there's a lot happening, a lot of movements, a lot of changes. Uh, of really a lot going on, but I think we can confidently say that robots are the future of uh, future of vehicles, right? <laughs> At least according to Tesla, they are. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, AI Day was was yesterday with Tesla. We'll just do like a quick recap there. But basically, I don't even understand like half of the stuff they're talking about, even with an engineering background, like the computer science and. Uh, computer engineering and software engineering stuff they're doing on the back end of autopilot is just insane. But like at a basic level, they've basically taken, they've gone from just taking static images from like their autopilot cameras to now like doing video and 3d mapping, like the world around their cars to help with self-driving. That's crazy. (laughs) It's insane. And and part of their their autopilot system is training their neural net, I guess, uh, to, to understand certain situations and actually like make decisions on how to drive the car, what to do in certain situations. And to train that neural net, they had to develop their own chip because like nobody's making anything that can do something like this. So they made this super modular chip and are creating this like insane supercomputer to train this this software, I guess, or this neural net that's going to go inside all the autopilot cars. So (laughs) that's about as much as I understood. And at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, we made a robot, too, because we're like, we're we're pushing the boundaries of AI. And like, we might as well make a robot if we're gonna go at it. So (laughs) yeah, pretty much all I saw was that cringy video of that person dressed up (laughs) as the robot dancing to Bangarang. (laughs) <laughs> by Skrillex. Yeah. <laughs> and I I literally I, I looked at Tyler this morning. I'm like nothing screams the future like a Skrillex song from 2011. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's unbelievable. So so those the cameras on the Model 3 and like the other Tesla vehicles are pretty much training this the supercomputer to pretty much That's yeah, that's that's kind of what they touched on and like I would just encourage you to go rewatch the whole presentation, even if you don't understand it and understand it, just some of the demos they showed of like the stuff they're doing is insane. But yeah, they're taking essentially all of the data from all the video they've recorded on autopilot in all their cars and then dropping into this huge, large computer database and then like parsing through it all to, to decide like how it should handle certain situations, what it did good, what it did bad, what it should do next time, all that stuff. So the craziest thing I think they heard, they talked about, at least from what I remember, obviously lots of crazy things, but the craziest thing I heard is that they're, when their cars are driving on autopilot, at least this is how they foresee it, they don't just run autopilot on the car you're driving. They also run the autopilot like neural net on every other car that is moving around you to predict what it's going to do next. 
<laughs> so pretty much like multitasking. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Which, I mean, wow. if you think about it, you're kind of doing that as a driver when you're driving around. True. If you're like, True. oh, that person is not slowing down at that stop sign. I bet they're going to blow right through that. I'm not going to go forward at the stop sign. Like you're kind of yeah. doing it yourself. But the fact that they're like running these calculations on every single car, like you can probably only focus on like maybe one or two. Like it can do like eight or nine. Just, <laughs> just, insane. just crazy. Like wow. I and you know the, the thing that blows my mind is that all this is already implemented within the Teslas that are already driving around. Like at least the I, at least on the hardware well, side, they're saying yeah. that like, hey, with the camera setup we've got now, we can we can do a lot of this stuff. But they are going to release like an updated version of the full self driving computer, which I think is kind of a given. They've got to continue to iterate on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think I I think I read that the Cybertruck is going to have full self driving computer too. I think that's yeah. what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just, that's crazy. You know, I think about what my Bolt can do and (laughs) it cannot do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The exciting thing is that Tesla is doing a lot of cool stuff there. But if you even think about like how advanced they are with their self-driving tech that we still don't have like level five self-driving, I think that's almost a little daunting too, to say like, oh, full self-driving is going to be coming in two years. Like I, I still... I'm kind of on the fence about committing to something like that soon. I think there's just so yeah. many like edge cases, so many random weird situations you run into as a driver that like a computer just can't handle. So Yeah. Yeah. And and like another aspect that I think of is that like at night. I mean, like a lot mm-hmm. of things being vision based, I can't imagine when things get darker it might be like more impaired. And we'll pick up on things that it would typically in the daylight. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so funny. I I remember when I worked at Tesla and like autopilot was like first released, you know, like autopilot one. And everybody was talking about like the different levels of like um, self-driving and how like level five is obviously, you know, like the apex of Mm -hmm. self-driving. But what does that look like in terms of hardware and software? And like, like, what do you add to the car to make it that? Mm Mm-hmm it's i mean because you look at systems from like waymo and like some of those other self-driving and they have like lidar sensors everywhere yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like our car's eventually going to look like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah or can you at least make it a little bit more aesthetically appealing definitely to people yeah definitely it's gonna be interesting for sure yeah so that's that's on the self-driving side i think it's it's fair to say, even if you're a Tesla critic, I think they are really pushing the boundaries of self-driving. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Autopilot has its problems. They have issues with it. But I think just the amount of data they've been able to collect and the, like, way they're pushing that forward has been, like, insane. So I think they're oh, still yeah. kind of at the forefront there and really pushing the boundaries. Um, but lots of other vehicles now. I don't know how many you've driven, like, recently that also have, like, very similar Autopilot-like features. Yeah. Yeah, our ID4 has some like lane keep assist mm-hmm. features where like it'll actually keep you in the lane and it does a decent job, but there is definitely a lot of like back and forth between like the lane markings and Oh, um, like ping-ponging back and forth. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there there's been sometimes where like if like a lane marking like kind of like disappears and then it kind of like opens up again, you can feel the whole steering wheel like jerk. Oh, and it's yeah. very like what is happening uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and don't even get me started with the with our bolt it doesn't have like anything like that <laughs> yeah 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 but i would say the closest to autopilot would probably be the id4 that that we gotcha own. yeah 
Yeah. And that's that's all that basic autopilot is. I don't know if a lot of people really realize that when they see mm-hmm. all this like full self-driving stuff. The standard like basic autopilot is just adaptive cruise control, which means it'll like maintain your speed, but it'll slow down if somebody's in front of you and lane keep assist so it'll keep you in your lane when you're on the highway like that's yeah. <laughs> that's literally all basic autopilot does it just reads the lane lines it kind of keeps you put so yep. when you get into like yeah. turns and all that stuff that's when you get into like the more advanced self-driving features that you got to pay for alex you have full self-driving right like i the, have at en- least the package i have enhanced autopilot oh which kind of splits the okay. difference between basic autopilot and full self-driving so i've got essentially all of the usable full self-driving features <laughs> that are <laughs> that are available right now so mine can do it can do basic autopilot but then it can also do uh navigate on autopilot so it'll take interchanges and stuff like that it'll do oh, wow. complete like cloverleaf interchanges and stuff which is insane to like sit in the car and feel yeah. <laughs> um, but then it'll also do just like regular lane changes. If I hit the turn signal, like it'll sh- it'll change lanes for me. Um, okay. And then I've got like smart summon and basic summon, like that some of that stuff that's more kind of gimmicky for in the parking lot. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> which is always fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's still yeah. fun. Fun to see people's reactions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> H- have you had a chance to try uh, some of like the self driving features, like in the rain or like in the snow? So I, anytime I'm on the highway, I put on autopilot. So like I've driven in all kinds of conditions in the snow and the rain and the fog. Like the only time that it really has a major issue is when it can't see the lane markings very well. So if it is like very heavy rain and like, I can't see the lane markings then autopilot will say like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. You got to take over. So that has happened, but I was driving through like dense fog one time and it could still like do autopilot because it could still see the lane lines. Okay. The radar was in front. So like if anything popped in front of us, it would slow down. But yeah, I've been very impressed with it. Like in the rain, the most I've really seen, unless it's like completely like thunderstorming, crazy hard rain, it'll just turn off the navigate on autopilot. So it won't change lanes or anything like that, but it'll still do the basic autopilot and like keep me keep me driving straight which is pretty insane yeah that's really impressive Mm -hmm. (laughs) so a little piece of your effort went into tesla pretty much (laughs) that's right yeah (laughs) yeah yep yeah you can you can say that a little piece of that is in every tesla bot Mm -hmm. (laughs) so speaking of tesla bot um i actually haven't had a chance to look too much into it did they announce pricing of that no, it was just Not like, yet. hey, this is something we're working on. We might have a prototype on it next year. That was about all they said. Oh, but okay. they gave like some specs on it. The funny part was when like Elon was up on stage talking about it. He's like, we've built it so that you can outrun it and also <laughs> probably like overpower it if necessary. <laughs> he's like we're not gonna we're not creating like a killing machine robot we're 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 creating like a very easily overpowered robot um that's great so it's it's 58 it has a carrying capacity of 45 pounds 125 pound weight of the machine can deadlift 150 pounds um in an arm extend lift of 10 pounds and then it can only move at five miles per hour so if you could run faster than five miles per hour which is like a little bit faster than a brisk walk then you'll be okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad they thought about all i know (laughs) i i will say though as the day went on i started thinking of things that like a tesla bot could do for me (laughs) yeah i'm like laundry grocery shopping Uh (laughs) uh-huh 
cleaning the yeah. house. I kind of want one, but... <laughs> <laughs> 2020 was supposed to be the magic year of electric vehicles. Uh, a lot of manufacturers promised a lot of things in the year 2020, and some came to fruition, some did not. Yeah. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, as the days go by and the years go by, a lot of manufacturers are dedicating themselves to go fully electric by a certain point. Um, I know Volvo, for example, is going to be fully electric by 2030. Ford mm -hmm. is offering an entire electrified lineup. Um, GM is obviously, you know, dedicating a lot of effort into electric vehicles. Um, so expanding the market of electric vehicles, I think, is going to happen pretty rapidly. I think a lot of companies have realized that, like, this is what consumers want. It's mm -hmm. not... Uh... Because companies wouldn't make electric vehicles unless people were going to buy electric vehicles. It's not just like, hey, this is something we're doing just because <laughs> I think people have realized. <laughs> and if you look at surveys and stuff, like a majority of people say that their next vehicle is going to be electric or that when prices down or come down, my next vehicle is going to be electric or when range is better, my next vehicle is electric. Like mm -hmm. there's a couple things that like kind of need to change, but like. A lot of people are looking into it and want to drive an electric vehicle. It's just they're yeah. waiting for the right one for them. And I think, obviously, as we know, with like technology improving and the price of battery packs come down pretty much every single year, mm -hmm. I, I give it, I don't know, just a few more years and there's going to be an electric vehicle for everybody, like in terms of like the price point. Yeah. Um, not trying to steal General Motors like new tagline, <laughs> <laughs> uh, EV for everybody, but um i i definitely think that there's going to be plenty of options yeah um yeah it, it's interesting because i know when i worked for tesla um you know 2015 uh the electric vehicle market was at only one percent of mm -hmm. all cars on the road here in the u.s and it's 2021 and we're seeing three percent so i mean that's a lot of cars i yeah. think <laughs> and that's a big increase and that's three percent mm -hmm. of like new vehicle sales i think right yeah. That's yeah, not total correct. vehicles on the road. Yeah, um, yeah that's new vehicles. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even just from a few years ago, I mean, 1% to 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like a three times increase. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's a big <laughs> jump. Yeah. So I think a lot of yeah. people are waking up to that. And, and like you were saying, like a few years ago, people didn't have a lot of options in EVs as mm -hmm. well. Like the Model S for Tesla was kind of like the premier electric vehicle, but that started at like 80 grand and... Mm -hmm only had 250 mile range which nowadays is like entry level i feel like for a lot of vehicles oh, yeah. like that's kind yeah. of the minimum yeah it's actually funny you mentioned that because a lot of the electric vehicles that start at 40,000 have 250 mile ranges yeah so, so it's essentially mean, what, half like the in, price and yeah, <laughs> similar yeah, range yeah. to five or six years ago yeah yeah which is just to me amazing mm-hmm because right now I know like both of us being content creators, we keep up with a lot of the, the EV market and what vehicles are coming out. I know when we both started, we like covered a lot of the EVs, even if we couldn't see them, like we would do a video about them. And mm -hmm. now like I can't even keep up with how many vehicles are being released every year. Oh, <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, I mean, it, it's crazy how many cars are starting to be offered with a plug, you know, like mm -hmm. whether it's like a plug in hybrid or like a battery electric. Yeah. It's it's almost like every time you turn around, there's a new car. Um, yeah. And not just talking like in the United States. I mean, like the EV market, like in China and in Europe is just expanding like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost like every day I see like four or five new electric cars for like the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. <laughs> 
Have you noticed, you mentioned like electrified options. Have you noticed that people will look at plug-in hybrids first before jumping to a full electric? I, like for I the non say... for the non like EV enthusiast, <laughs> do you feel like people are like, oh, let me try the plug-in first before I jump into like full battery electric? So I think it depends on the consumer because like I have noticed that some people do that, but I think when people start doing more research, they realize that a lot of electric cars offer the range that's comparable to some of these plugins. Mm. Um, for example, I was doing research. There is a plug-in seven series and uh, BMW seven series. Oh, it gets okay. 19 miles on a full charge, but 290 miles with a full tank of gas, like total. Oh, so, <laughs> which is like why you know it, it's so comparable compared to like a Model S, or mm -hmm. I mean even the Model S destroys that range. So. Yeah. Um, and it's around the same price point, you know, so I, I think once consumers start doing more research and they start getting more educated on mm -hmm. what's out there, they stray away from the plug-in hybrids because yeah. it's complicated. You know, it's two powertrains in one body. For and, sure. You know, two things could go wrong. <laughs> so do you foresee eventually, like, I think price is the big one and range are kind of the main two. I think charging kind of like finds its own way with home charging and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When both of those are at a level where like it's comparable to a gas car or people are like, oh, this costs just as much as the, the other car I was looking at and has just as much range. Do you think people are going to switch to full electric or do you think we'll still have a role, at least on the passenger side, for for like gas and diesel vehicles? That's a that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a lot of work that needs done before everybody and, and to be honest, I think it's unrealistic to think that every consumer is going to want to go fully electric. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah. And and I, I just think that there's a lot of education that still needs to be done before that's even a thought. Mm. Um, I, I definitely think that there still will be a place for gas and diesel power cars. But in terms of like the sheer amount of them, I don't think it will be what it's like today. I think yeah. we'll see where there's like a, a shift where electric vehicles start becoming more of the norm mm -hmm. and gas cars start to fade away. But I, I think until there's some type of like government regulation where there there cannot be any air pollution being produced from like mm -hmm. a, a vehicle, they're still going to be on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of had that moment the other day where I was thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd so be nice. you, I, I mean, obviously it's going to take some time to get them off the road, but do you think there'll be a time where like we go to like 80 or 90% of new, new car sales or, or battery oh, electrics? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I think that that's where that price point comes into as well as like the education yeah. stand, you know, um, perspective to this whole, whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think once we can get the price point down, we're, everybody can afford it not just people who you know are more middle class more upper class but like everybody can afford it i think yeah. that's when we'll start seeing that that shift yeah and yeah. i've told people too that are looking at an ev that are like i just can't afford it right now and i'm like i completely understand like it's it's mm -hmm. clearly like you've got to kind of make a commitment not only on on the like just technology side of trusting a new technology, but then you're also like have that financial investment as well, where you're kind of yeah. putting extra money into something that you may or may not like if you haven't done, if you're just kind of like a nor just need a new car. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought that's been interesting as well. And I usually tell people like, Hey, this is still a very new thing. I think one thing that's going to help immensely is when this market gets a lot bigger and there's more used vehicles on the market oh. as well. Because that helps that yeah. helps pull the 
pull the gas market down a little bit because you can go pick up a like very good reliable used car nowadays oh totally save a ton of money over a brand new car like (laughs) like depreciation (laughs) on cars is insane just because they lose a ton of value but we really haven't seen that with evs just because everybody that buys them generally likes them a lot and isn't going to sell them like it's almost (laughs) as cheap to just buy a brand new ev versus versus buying a used one yeah so i think that's that i feel like that's really the biggest thing that is holding people back from at least like taking a chance on an electric vehicle not that even like you're really taking a chance but like kind of making that jump into a new type of car is that price Mm -hmm. point because you're like i'm not going to spend twice what i normally would pay just to have an ev at least for the normal normal car buyer in my in my experience but then range is the other thing obviously we've seen that like increase a ton i don't foresee like what do you i guess this is probably a good question what do you think is like the range point where like people will compare it to a gas and you're like okay that's enough range (laughs) (laughs) where they're like okay it's no it's like an equal playing field between gas and electric you know honestly i think you could kind of turn that into the other way around i think i think people actually start getting over the range aspect once vehicles start charging faster Mm. um because i i know for me i you know i've we've always owned sub 300 mile range uh electric vehicles yeah and we have no issue living Mm -hmm. with them i mean like at most we'll see about 260 miles like on our you know bolt or like our id4 um but it's the charging speed so yeah. like I think once the charging technology improves, I think more people will kind of look past the range. But I definitely think it has to be over two hundred. <laughs> okay. I, I know for me, I wouldn't consider anything below two hundred miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I always. It's so hard with this question because a lot. This is the first thing people ask when when they're looking at an EV or like see that I drive a Tesla. They're like, oh well, how far can you go on it? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well. I can get 300 miles, but I don't drive 300 miles every day. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot yeah. of people are really realizing that they're like, Oh, well I, I maybe take like one trip a year where I have to drive like four or five hours to like go on vacation or whatever. But like the rest yeah. of the time I'm driving to work and like driving yeah. to the grocery store, like driving yeah. my kids to practice. Like <laughs> yeah, less than most 50 of your, miles a day. <laughs> yeah. Most of your trips yeah. are just so close to home. And, and that's what I generally tell people if they're like looking at an EV is like, pick up like a used leaf like even if it's got a hundred mile range you can use that for zipping around town for like just about everything (laughs) like and and save money on maintenance and everything else yeah yeah if you think of it like all the errands like i i know that they a few years ago i think the epa actually announced to save emissions you should plan your errands to be either one or two places versus like going one place one place you know like all over the place Mm. if you had an electric car if you need to go to five places, then <laughs> you're set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but I think that's that's a very critical piece that I think people need to understand if they're if they're shopping for an EV is understand what your needs are. And I think we've talked about this in previous episodes too, so mm-hmm. I won't like rehash it a ton. But I think that education point really needs to be like like pushed home on people. Um, is we really don't need you probably don't need a four or 500 mile range car. Like <laughs> for your, <Yeah. laughs> for, for like, think about what kind of driving you do. You probably don't need that much range. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. flip side of that, I think there are certainly people that do need that much range. Like true. I was talking yeah. to, I had lunch with the, the Dean of our, our engineering school actually the other day. He was, he's actually looking at a, at a model three. We went on a test drive and stuff and it was, oh, it was nice. really cool seeing his reaction to everything. He's like, 
this has impressed me a lot from like even from like the videos and photos I've seen. I'm like, yeah, that's great. He said, yeah. like, the only thing that's really holding me back is the range because he travels a lot just like for his job. He's in the car a lot driving. Um, and he's like, I don't know if like on my schedule and the amount of driving I do, like I would really like to have like 400, 450 miles to like mm-hmm. drive those long distances. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Like if you if you are going to be driving a lot for work and like don't want to stop at st- charging stations like you can definitely do it like I, i'm traveling a lot more for my new job and have been taking my car everywhere and it's been yeah. great but <laughs> but not everybody yeah. <laughs> wants to not everybody wants to do that so i think there's yeah. certainly situations where i think gas will still have a role where people are doing a lot more traveling but i think for like a daily car for a car you're just using to get around town like evs are already a great option i don't think you need to wait for like the new new generation of evs to come before you like oh yeah, oh, yeah this works yeah. for me <laughs> yeah i i agree i mean like i think it just goes back to the education standpoint like just inform yourself of what's out there and make the right choice for you yeah um you know i i was thinking too especially if gasoline still has a part in transportation in a few years at least that's where the plug-in hybrid side comes in yeah. because we're seeing plug-in hybrids with increasing amount of electric range. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially get a plug-in hybrid, do all of your errands and commute on electricity, and then not even use gas yeah. for the majority of the time you have ownership. Um, so, I mean, who knows where that technology is going to be, you know? For sure. You might not yeah. even use gas at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people realize when they get a plug-in hybrid is they're like, oh, like... I don't really ever use gas and I'm only using like the 30 mile range in my plug-in hybrid. They're like, I could definitely get an EV. Like (laughs) some people make that connection. They're like, Oh, I really don't actually drive that much. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah, I think, I think it's just all about, you know, understanding your position and like what kind of ownership you're looking for. So outside of vehicles, what do you think, the future of charging looks like i know it's kind of the wild west right now in terms of charging <laughs> at least that's how i feel there's like yeah. so many different plug types there's different charging brands there's different like vehicle some like tesla has their own brand of chargers like what yeah. do you see that whole future playing out like so well first i want to say i don't think it's going to look like those like animations you see like on youtube shorts or tiktoks i don't know if you've seen those they're like no i haven't they're all to i'll send them to you they're like really poorly rendered videos and like it's like the apple car and like it's like a crane comes out picks it up and sticks it to the side of a building and i'm like okay this is this is not how the future is going to be and if it is i don't want to be a part of it like yeah, no, thank a you. forklift at every parking yeah. lot to- <laughs> yeah. just no thank you no thanks so I think eventually in the future, we're going to get away from, you know, like the Tesla CCS Chatmo. Um, I think J1772 will still have a part in everything just because it is a part of CCS. Yeah. Um, but I think the CCS connector standard will become the standard. Mm. I, I just see that happening. I mean, Tesla's already putting it on their superchargers in Europe. Yeah. And uh, I believe in Asia. I think I think we're going to see that here, too. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that sentiment. I think Tesla's realized, too, that in order to push EVs forward, they've already said that they're going to open up superchargers to other non-Tesla vehicles in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, I do hope we get to some kind of unified standard. The only, I guess the only dislike I have with the CCS um, 
is that it has it has like that separate connector or that separate like flap for DC charging. Whereas the Tesla port, like the it's engineering funny. like design nerd in me is like that thing is beautiful. It can do like yeah. level one, level two, and level three like DC. It can do it all in this tiny little cord. Whereas yeah. like if you hold up a Tesla core next to a CCS, like the CCS is huge. Like uh, yeah. it's gigantic. It's, it's chunky. <laughs> yeah. So it is. that's really my only quip with it. But if we got to a unified standard where like, okay, every charger has a CCS, like I'd be completely on board with that. That'd be so much easier than like me as the Tesla driver carrying around like four different adapters to charge at all these different stations. So yeah. I would I would yeah. definitely love to see that. And I think we will get to that eventually because we saw a similar thing with gas. I didn't really do a lot of research on this, but gas like the ports like where you put in the gas pump, like that's a standardized size on every car now, which is like yeah. kind of a weird analogy, but it's <laughs> it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, it's funny you brought that up because diesel ports are a little bit uh, thicker. Are um, they? Okay. Yeah, when when we had our TDI, and please don't everybody be shocked that we had a diesel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, the, the typical, like, gas um, pump doesn't fit in a um, in a uh, diesel port. Interesting. Okay. I'm using EV terms for gas. A diesel port? Yeah. <laughs> diesel port. <laughs> you know That's what I mean. interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it just doesn't fit. And, and huh. it's part of a safety reason, too, so you don't accidentally put diesel into your gas car and destroy it. But it, they're, I think they're only off by, like, a few centimeters or something like that. Yeah, I know. So I'd like to see that, just, like, a unified port. I would also like to see a universal way of starting a charge as well, mm -hmm. which I think yes. we're starting to get to. I don't know if you noticed, saw that, like, a bunch of EV charging companies have banded together to create this roaming feature. I don't know if you oh, heard yeah. about that or not. I did see like, that. Yeah. You can mm -hmm. activate a charge with like your favorite EV charging app. So mm -hmm. like certain stations are compatible with like multiple apps versus just using the stations like or that that manufacturer's app, which is really mm -hmm. nice. So that that is nice. Well, I was going to say that I think people have their preferred like EV app in certain ways and like have their payment. They just want to have one account. They don't want to have like mm -hmm. six different accounts with a bunch of different manufacturers, a bunch of different chargers um, just to get a charge started. So just having like one account, one app, you can see all the chargers and you can activate the charge with that. That would be like mm -hmm. so easy. Yeah. Yeah. If things could just be universal, I, mm -hmm. I think that that's a big hurdle for everyday drivers yeah it's just because you show up at a station and you it, it might be confusing you know like it might be labeled five different things and you really just have no idea to start mm -hmm. it yeah but i agree if, if things could just be simplified in the future i think that that would really help with adoption and i think we've really got to look to gas too which like feels bad but you've got a consistent fueling experience every time you go to a gas station. <laughs> you know exactly what to do. You know, yep. like, what kind of, what kind of, like, uh, type of gas you got to put in your car. You got to, like, swipe your card the same way at every station. <laughs> like, it's all yeah. pretty streamlined. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong taking the, like, the concept of going to a gas station and, like, refueling your car and, like, applying it to electric vehicles. No, no, not at um, all. Especially if there's snacks involved. I That's think right. that there is like some type of like convenience <laughs> store. But but like I, I think if like you can take that aspect and like something that people are comfortable with mm -hmm. and you know, then utilizing it. Definitely. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that that would help out a lot. Um, so on the topic of charging, how do you think charging technology is going to improve? The majority of charging, I think, in the future, and I don't think re people really like 
realize this is that we don't need as many gas stations as we do uh, charging stations. That just like simply is not the case. Like we do not need as many um, because most people, like we said earlier, are going to be charging in and around town or driving in and around town and charging at home overnight. Mm-hmm. And the way it is in the U.S., at least a majority of people own a home and are able to charge at home, at least like that's how it is where we live. That's how it is. The majority of houses like I'm familiar with, you have some place to park, even if it's on the street, you're able to install some sort of charger to plug your vehicle in overnight. Now, the other part of that, I think, is building out our our DC fast charging network. That That is definitely a huge task. Um, the the kind of limit to that right now is there's not a lot of money to be made in selling electrons at a fast charging station. <laughs> that's yeah. just that's just the way it is, unfortunately. With the with the high cost of installing a DC fast charger, just because of how much power it pulls, um, you're really not going to see a return on investment right now, just because of how one, just because electricity is so cheap and most people do charge at home, it's way cheaper mm-hmm. to just plug in at home. But also um, the utilization rates of these fast chargers are so low just because there's not a lot of vehicles on the road. So there's not even a lot of people (laughs) coming up to the charger to plug in. So the incentive for people to install these fast chargers just isn't really there. Now, obviously there's like lots of ways to fix that, but I think kind of figuring that out, that out in a way, like, I guess politically to like kind of support that and build out the infrastructure because it's such a chicken and egg problem. It's like, what do you Mm -hmm. build first? Do you increase EVs or do you build more chargers? Like you got to kind of do both at once. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So (laughs) definitely. So I don't know if that really answered your question on the charging technology, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely think it did. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because it's like, as I mentioned earlier, like taking like the concept of a gas station and kind of like utilizing like the process in terms of how people interact with the charger. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think that we need the amount of DC fast charging stations, like in terms of locations that there are the amount of gas stations. Yeah. Um, I I think once people kind of get over that hurdle and realize that the majority of their charging is going to be at home, they'll be more comfortable with that. But in terms of like long distance road trips, that's when I think an infrastructure would be, be good. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But yeah, on the technology side, I think kind of back to that that I didn't really touch on is just like the charging speeds because like people expect charging to just like increase in speed. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of that is just the the charging curves of EVs is kind of difficult. So like on my car, when I plug in, like my car can handle up to 250 kilowatts, which is like pretty much on the high end of like what vehicles can take right now if you're not like familiar with charging rates. Um, but if I plug in at a station that can provide that much power, I'm only charging at that rate for like, like from like five to 15 or 20%. Like once I get past that, the kilowatt level like drops off and my charging rate is about the same. So I think like not only batteries, but like there's a lot of like physics stuff involved too. I'm not sure like how much just like putting out higher powered chargers is going to help us that much. Yeah, I I agree. Um, It's almost like what you mentioned earlier, like the chicken and the egg. I think the technology (laughs) of the battery has to get to the point where it's like a steady, consistent rate Mm -hmm. of charge. And then things will be more even, I guess you could say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. hard to do just from a physics level too, because mm-hmm. as you put more electrons into the battery, the harder it is to fit more electrons in. So the lower the charge rate is, because like the analogy is like when you put an electron into a battery, it's got to go find a place to like sit, I guess. Like if you think about like, <laughs> I guess like a good analogy would be like kids running into like a classroom or something like that. Like you're helping me understand this <laughs> at first, like you could have a, you can have like a ton of kids, like say there's like 40 seats in the classroom, there's 40 kids outside at first, like a ton of kids can go in real quickly because they mm-hmm. can all find a seat real quick. But then like once seats start filling up, like the trickle of kids coming in and finding a seat is going to be slower because they're searching around trying to hunt and find a seat. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's similar to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm grateful you just gave that <laughs> that explanation because honestly, that put things into my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely understand that better now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, like, I I don't know if technology like this exists, but like, I wonder if there's almost like a um, a charging station that like adds and removes equal amounts, or maybe like even like removes lower amounts, so like it allows like the rate of charge to be consistent. Mm. Like, I, I I don't know how that would work in terms of like yeah, that's like that's, that's kind of like the physics problem. Like you're almost mm-hmm. like you can't break mm-hmm. physics when you're charging a car is the problem. <laughs> so I think that'll yeah. always be a problem. Yeah. Uh, but we have seen with vehicles like the Taycan, it's got that 800 volt architecture mm-hmm. versus a 400 volt on most cars. So increasing to that higher battery voltage actually helps with charging rates too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main advantage there. I'll try not to get too technical again, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the main advantage there is like uh, voltage and current are kind of like inversely proportional. So if you increase voltage, you lower current, but current is the part that makes things like hot and makes things overheat. So if you increase the voltage and lower the current, you're lowering how much heat is going to the battery. And you're also can push more power through at a lower current because you've got that higher voltage if that makes okay. sense so if you that plug in yeah. so if you plug yeah. in a Tycon, it's got that 800 volt architecture let's say it's pulling uh a typical car pulls 100 amps if you plug in a Tycon at that 800 volt architecture that higher voltage that's going to drop to 50 amps so you can push just as much power through but then you're not like overheating the cable so that's kind okay. of the advantage of using that that 800 volt architecture and can actually help with charging speeds. So do you think we're going to see that implemented in other cars? Because like I know like the um, Ionic 5 and like some of the other Hyundai products are coming out with have architectures like that. Yeah. Um, it's almost surprising we haven't seen something like that in Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Um, and I'll tell you most of the chargers we're deploying, and this is this is public information too, you can look up like spec sheets of charging stations on their websites, but most charging stations being deployed, at least the higher powered ones, uh, can do up to, can do over 800 volt charging. So they're capable of charging at over 800 volts. Wow. So that's, that is definitely an advantage. Um, and like I said, the big advantage there is you can use like smaller cables because they don't need to handle as much current and that helps yeah. with costs. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious now to see how things like play out because <laughs> like the Ionic five is supposed to be around like $45,000. So, yeah. and uh, supposedly it has that standard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could definitely see it going that way. I, 
I did a little bit of research on battery architectures in the past, and the reason like 400 volts is the way it worked out is just because that's what a lot of um, like off-the-shelf parts would handle, mm. like for the battery management system or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. also it's how like the individual cells are all lined up. So you've got like all those individual cells, but the way they're like stacked together in series and parallel throughout the entire pack, it just like it equals out to about 400 volts. But you can okay. reconfigure it however you want. Like if you want to do 800, you could build a thousand volt car. Like yeah. you can do whatever, but it's just yeah. kind of making sure it works with chargers and works with yeah. your other electronics in the car, not just the not just the chargers. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good that I, I was going to say it's good that we have an electrical engineer. <laughs> as a yeah, I hope, I hope some of that makes sense. I'm sure I mess some stuff up too. Cause that's not like my area of expertise. It's just something I know about a little bit. So no, I, I think it, I think it makes sense. I mean, mm -hmm. the whole kids finding seat thing <laughs> to, to, or like explanation like that definitely helped me understand it. Yeah. I just thought that up on the fly yeah. too. That was good. Yeah. Well, I, liked it. <laughs> I, I think you should copyright that before someone takes yeah, it. Yeah, really. Well, I, I was just going to say, um, how do you feel about wireless chargers? Like there, there are some on the market right now. And I, I just know from wireless charging my phone, it overheats all the time. It never seems to be reliable at all. Um, do you think that that's like a, um, like a, uh, valid option for like future charging? Okay. So I'll tell you this as my, my kind of stance on it, uh, engineering wise with wireless charging um and i usually look at things from from an efficiency aspect and like a cost aspect are kind of the two things i look at mm -hmm. is um the problem i have with wireless charging it is not very efficient way of transporting power the best way to transport power is always going to be a direct plug-in connection no matter what like you can't you can't past that <laughs> that's yeah. just how that's just how electricity works like you're not gonna you're not never gonna be more efficient at moving power mm -hmm. um but i mean there's also the convenience aspect as well so is it easier to just roll into your garage and your car is charging and you don't have to worry about plugging anything in that's certainly more yeah. convenient um but the part you miss out on because it is more efficient or less efficient with wireless charging is you're gonna end up paying more so I'm not sure the numbers on like how efficient it is, but let's say it's like it's 70% efficient and you generally spend like 50 bucks a month on your electric bill to charge your car. You're now going to be, you're now going to be spending like, I don't know what the math is on that, but you're, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to end up spending more money essentially to charge your car mm -hmm. the same amount. And I don't know if people will like that when they're like, Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just plug in my car. But there is, I mean, there is also like the cost of convenience too, but I don't think plugging in a car is that inconvenient that people are going to A, put in a like wireless charger in their garage and B, like not, yeah. not worry about the extra time it takes to like plug in your car. Cause we already do it with yeah. everything else, like plugging yeah. in your phone, plug it in your everything else. Yeah. So exactly. So on the topic of like things being inefficient, especially with like wireless charging. It's interesting that some states are kind of like testing the waters with like wireless charging roads mm. and like lanes. Um, because like, I can't imagine driving on a road for like a quarter mile or, you know, half a mile, you know, who knows how expensive these roads are going to cost um, or how much money they'll cost. But how much charge would you get in that short amount of time? You know, yeah. so 
it's almost like just install the charging station at like the the plaza you know down the road like yeah <laughs> yeah use that money more wisely mm-hmm. yeah th- that's where like i i honestly don't think wireless charging i think until like technology improves for me personally i don't think it's going to go very far anytime yeah. soon <laughs> yeah yeah and we don't and i think a lot of people's frame of reference is phones too because they're like oh yeah. well like wireless charging is so convenient with a phone it's like well yeah it's a like small little piece of technology like you don't really have to line up the the phone 100 percent every time it can just be kind of mm-hmm. like close to the close to the coil and it'll start charging um and we don't really notice like if it's gonna cost more like nobody like breaks down how much charging their phone costs like no No, the battery pack is so small (laughs) it's It's not pulling that much power so (laughs) yeah um, so it's really not that big a deal and i think that's a great like thing to have is wireless charging for phones it's so much easier to just like plop it down on a charger like if you're just going about your day and have your phone sitting there to your side like it's it's really convenient but yeah for something as big as a car and with as big a battery as a car i don't think it makes a lot of sense at least right now like we could see that in the future that Mm -hmm. wireless charging has some kind of leap and like it's it's way more efficient than it used to be but I don't know. <laughs> as as long as it's not on the side of a building, you know, like that's those right. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, I can't wait to share those with you. You're gonna be like, "What is this?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as usual, uh, I feel like these are infamous lame jokes <laughs> at the end of our episodes. Well, here's today's: the past, the future, and the present all walked into the bar at the same time. I guess you could say it was tense. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> that may, might be one of your best ones. That was pretty clever. Right. <laughs> I'll That's be here all one. night. <laughs> well, I'll be in episode five. <laughs> Sweet. So that'll do it for this, uh, this episode of Living Electric. If you have uh, any questions or want to share your thoughts on the future of electric vehicles, definitely let us know. You can hit us up on social media on Twitter at Living Electric underscore on Instagram, Living Electric Podcast, and on Facebook at Living Electric Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next episode.